0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to my Placadian universe. So uh, I was having a conversation with my friends, um, just about our microaggressions that we regularly encounter when talking to white people and, um, got me thinking about, I should put together a list of the things you should never do when talking to a person of color about race. So, let's talk about it. Uh, So, recently in Canada, we recently had our first inaugural uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day. And um, at my office, um, we had Uh, someone speak to us about it, um, an Indigenous man, and he so eloquently put, um, you know, about having, you know, discussing the truths of our Canadian history, um, about, you know, people being so ignorant of it, and he just, you know, said, being able to receive the gift of correction um, is an important skill. Um, when you are, um, dealing with people that are, you know, dealing with the intergenerational trauma of colonization. And I thought, yes, yes. (laughs) Um, you know, which brings me to my first thing is being able to receive the gift of correction, uh, without getting offended and, Uh, defensive. Um, I think that's something as well that, you know, people have talked about a lot about, um, people get really upset when we say the term white fragility. Um, but that's basically it in a nutshell is someone called you out on doing something that was, you know, racist. And, um, a lot of people's first reaction is to immediately defend themselves. You know, nobody wants, um, to be wrong. Nobody wants to be racist, but you're not going to get out of that space. You're not going to get out of, you're not going to learn anything if you are trying to make what you just said. Okay. You need to accept that whether intentionally or not, the thing that you said hurt somebody and, um, you need to take ownership of that. And I think, um it's such a such a such an important lesson and a lot would be um different if we could have these conversations honestly and in real time um with people um i i know that <laughs> just again, in like the work that I do, um, whenever we have these types of conversations, um, and it's such a, such a, such a powerful tool because, um, people want to show, um, a reaction. They want to show how anti-racist they are. And I'm not for performative acts of inclusion. Um, And so something I've learned, um, oh, I forget her name. Uh, She's written that book, uh, D'Angelo, Robin D'Angelo. And she's written that, you know, book, White Fragility. And she talks about how she asks people to leave the room if they're having, like, you know, the the moment. And it's just because, you know, one of her peers was saying, like, who was a black woman who was like, you know, I'm not going to come to this event. I just don't have any capacity right now for like white lady tears (laughs) and just, you know, it's, um, (laughs) I was like, I love that she could be so honest with her about it, but, um, it's, it's just one of those things where the defensiveness isn't helping anybody. It just feeds into this idea that you are so offended by the idea of, you know, hearing about racism that, you know, you're not even willing to, um, hear about the experiences of someone who's actually living in it. And, um, it, it's just something that you have to be incredibly mindful of. um, when you take that position, it's wrong and, uh, be open to receiving the gift of correct, uh, of correction, because I think it'll, um, it'll definitely help you on your journey of truly being anti-racist. The second, um, is being the tone police, like, um, don't correct people on their tone. Like if they're coming at you and they seem angry or distraught or passionate, let them be. If they are not, you know, physically assaulting you, um, you know, know, don't tell them to calm down or, you know, be patronizing. Something horrific has happened to them. Something horrific has been happening to them, um, for a very long time. And, you know, they are, um, sick of it. I think we've all understood as people of color that our passion can so easily be construed as anger. Um, the history of slavery and colonization goes back to you know painting a picture of black people as less than human as brutes um and you know so when people see us being passionate they're scared they're they've been trained to feel scared of um um us and i know i've said it before one of my friends that i worked with we do anti-racism work in our work. And I, you know, when we go out and we talk to people about stuff, um, and I hear some, you know, frankly, some bullshit. And, uh, (laughs) I, you know, uh, you know, I say that I have to take a moment and I have to, you know, I really am conscious of not being that angry black woman. And, you know, he's sort of immediately, one of the reasons why we're friends is he just was like, why though? Like, why are you, you know, wanting to present that image? And I thought, immediately I thought it's because I don't want to be the angry black woman. People think that of me the minute I, you know, show any emotion other than happiness. And, you know, sometimes that's okay. That's what they're going to get. But, you know, in my place of business, you know, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I have to. And I thought, uh, I, you know, I'm trying to present this image and it's not really what I'm thinking about. I'm angry. I'm angry about something that was just said that was incredibly racist. And, um, I'm allowing myself um, that freedom to express that because if it was any other topic, you know, if I was like, Oh, I'm so angry that, you know, these gas prices are so high, you know, nobody would be like shrinking away and afraid of me. It's sort of being like training me that my completely justifiable anger over um, a disgusting, systemic institutionalized dehumanizing of my people is something that I should just be like me over instead of, you know, rightly being passionately angry about it. And so um, I think that's something that, um, you know, check yourself, like, why are you telling this person of color that they can't be angry about something that anybody, any human being justifiably should be angry about um, because it makes you feel uncomfortable that's not their problem that's not their problem don't put like the additional burden on me of having to explain something in a calm manner to you that is actually very upsetting um, you know if you were in distressed that he needed help, I wouldn't be like, okay, well, first of all, I can only talk to you when you calm down. Like that's not helpful for anybody. You need help. You need to be heard right now. And if your tone is making me anxious or uncomfortable, that's not my problem. Don't make it my problem. Don't put, don't make that, you know, person of color feel uncomfortable um, for being their authentic selves. And I think that's something that's so, so, so important. To help people feel heard and seen when they're talking about race. I've, um I've had too many conversations where people were like, oh, they're just, it's too much for me. It's too upsetting. I think I've told the story of like somebody having to take like leave to white women, heard a conversation, um, or participated in some of the, you know, anti-racism work that's going on in my business. And they were so upset that they had to take like, you know, I think it was like a week off or something because it was just too upsetting for them. Um, and You know, that's just, it's a a tool of showing that they can't be bothered to um, engage in any real way about a problem that, um, you know, they're benefiting from. You know, they have to remove themselves from that situation, from the very real lived experience of you know, black people all over this country. And it's just, um, it's no longer acceptable. It's not an acceptable way of how to deal with racism. You can't, you know, hide from it. You can't run from it. You can't um, pretend that you don't benefit from it. Um, If you aren't actively trying to dismantle these prejudices, these systems, then you are a part of the problem. So I hope that they took that week off to regroup and come back as fighters, but I know that they, you know, came back and just never showed up to another event again. So, you know, that's just, that's not okay. So last and my personal favorite uh, is Not all white people, you know, um, that response, you know, when people say, uh, you know, generalizing not, not all white people is their, you know, comeback or response that is so counterproductive and, you know, yeah, it's just counterproductive. I, the... The very idea that um, you are fighting to be an individual in a system that marginalizes all people of color that you want to be seen as unique and special when we don't get to be is (laughs) the, the, um, the definition of, you know, white privilege. Um, The fact that I'm telling you a story about something that happened to me as a Black woman entirely because I'm Black. You know, I didn't say to my oppressor, not all Black people, I don't have that luxury. Based on the color of my skin, people make judgments on me immediately. And I have to prove myself otherwise. All Black people. You know, I can say all Black people have that happen to them. But I can't say all white people for anything the very i it, it's an uncomfortable thing for people to get used to it's It was incredibly uncomfortable for me to understand racism as a black person, but I did it. I had to do it <laughs> to live my life, and to understand your privilege as a white person you need to do it too, even if it makes you squirm and uncomfortable that you are going to get the benefit of the doubt that you have a power that you are wielding um simply by being white you are going to that comes with privilege it may make you uncomfortable you may not want it but that is the reality of the skin that you are in so to Um, try to get out of it on a technicality by saying, you know, not all white people feel that way. That is, you know, absolutely a truth. It's absolutely a truth. I do not think that there are, you know, there aren't white people in the world that aren't, you know, anti-racist and, you know, allies to Black people. I don't think that. But when I talk about this, I very rarely, very, very rarely, if you listen to this podcast, I very rarely paint all peoples with a brush because that's something that's been done to me as a Black person and I hate it. So when I talk about white people, if I'm saying it, um, you need to listen up basically. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It's not something that I say lightly. And I will be always be very kind. But if I say something that is applicable to white people, you better understand that I know what I'm talking about. And so the first thing out of your mouth shouldn't be trying to defend that position of whiteness. It shouldn't be, um, you know, trying to assert the fact that you are not racist, you know, that'll be proven in time. But to immediately come to the defense of, you know, yourself, just to make yourself feel better, isn't doing anything for me. It is diminishing what I'm trying to express to you, what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, This is an act of bravery. You know, black people calling it out. Racism is an act of bravery. We don't know what the consequences are going to be for our actions. We don't know how it's going to be received. And it's demoralizing to have, um, you know, people immediately defend themselves to defend other white people, to assume that, you know, um, what my experience was, um, is... It's like another form of oppression. It's just, you know, it's a, a traumatic thing to now tell me that, you know, you can't believe what I'm saying because not all white people feel the way that I'm telling you this is, ha- has happened to me, how it made me feel. And, um, you know, just listen. Just listen because you might learn something. Um, when somebody is sharing their truth with you. And uh, I think that's, um, yeah, I think that's just, uh, I think that's just, you know, basic human decency. And if you are, you know, white and you're listening to this, and, you know, you've been maybe, uh, have had these conversations with people and you might be feeling that defensiveness and, you know, wanting to prove, you know, just how equitable you are. And, you know, I would caution you against it. I think, um, being a good listener, um, and being supportive as you would on any other matter, um, to somebody who was hurting, um, outside of a racial issue, um, is generally the, where you should be going. You wouldn't tell your own story when someone was telling their story about, you know, something that hurt them. You would listen. And, uh, I encourage you to do the same. And, uh, and I think it will help people be more open about, you know, these kinds of conversations and, you know, um, I think it would just be, it would be beneficial to people of color as well as white people when talking and dealing about, you know, race. So, um, yeah, those are the, the three things you should definitely not do. So thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next time. Please be sure to like comment and subscribe and yeah, let me know, um, what you think and anything else you, uh, have heard when you were having conversations with people about race that, you know, maybe made you cringe a little. <laughs> uh yeah talk to you next time